This is Haley Colombo, a reporter with Columbus Business First, and you are listening to the Newsmakers podcast. This week, we have a conversation with David Harrison, president of Columbus State Community College. Talked with David about how he got into higher education and his experience as a first-generation college student. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks. So I recently learned that you were the first person in your family to go to college. Right. So can you take me through kind of what, like what your parents did growing up and what the conversation around college was like in your, in your family? Yeah. Um, so my, uh, my family's from Lewis County, Kentucky. Both of my grandfathers were farmers when I was born and in their early years, lived in uh, on one of my my grandfather's farms, and my uncle took it over years later. When I was a young boy, before I started school, when I was five, uh, we moved to Cincinnati um, because uh, that's where my dad could get a job. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, my uncle, got him on at Cincinnati Millicron, uh, where he worked for thirty years as a machinist. Uh, my mom got a job initially at Millicron as a secretary. Uh, and then went to uh, work for a company called Ogden Allied. It wasn't called Ogden at the time, but that's what it became. Uh, and she had a very successful career, you know, starting out uh, as an office assistant and ended up being, by the time she retired, she was the highest ranking woman in the company oh, wow. uh, as a regional manager, which says a lot about her, also says a lot about the times, mm-hmm. um, but was a great role model uh, in a lot of ways. So even though no one in my family had gone to college. It was never a question whether or not I was going. Um, and my parents made so many decisions to make sure that I had uh, that opportunity. Being a first-gen student was an advantage for me in a lot of ways because I really felt it's something my parents had been planning on the whole time. So what do you mean by decisions that they made? Like, Did they save money or was it just kind of putting you in different schools or? No, it was, it was public schools the whole mm-hmm. way. Um, um, but uh, yeah, financially and and really just in our conversations, and especially I think with, with, with my mother, my dad worked uh, third shift most of the time that, that I lived there with them. Um, so uh, our relationship was a little different. Um, you know, as mom's career grew, she made sure that... Um, I at least met people that she worked with and was exposed to, uh, to people who, you know, were living a different kind of, of lifestyle, not necessarily financially, but professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the community I grew up in was a great community, but, uh, you know, my friends, there were only two, even my friends' dads who had gone to college. One was my high school basketball coach and English teacher, and another was the, the dentist in town. Mm-hmm. Um, so just that kind of exposure to it, the extent possible. But, but again, it was... Um, the bar was always high with regard to grades. You know, my mother was an excellent student. My dad was a disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I knew what was, what was expected of me. And frankly, you know, just never wanted to let him down. Mm-hmm. Did you have siblings? I'm an only child. Oh, okay. Interesting. So it was kind of, <laughs> so all their expectations were just very centered on you. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were, uh, you know, a, a close-knit yes. family. Yes, okay. 
And so why engineering? Like that is so interesting to me. Um, how did you have an affinity for science? Did you like what what about engineering spoke to you? It's funny how, um, you know, I can point to some specific conversations from years ago that that ended up being turning points. And I mean, I didn't know. I tell our students now I didn't know this was a job when I was in college. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got to have an open mind. But um, a high school guidance counselor um, said, you're good in math, good in science, you should study engineering. So I said, all right. (laughs) (laughs) And and that was was pretty much uh, the decision. Okay. I went to the University of Dayton um, because that was one of the few places I could study engineering and play football. Okay. Um, I wasn't a Division One football player, and most of the smaller schools didn't have an engineering program. UD did. Uh, so I went to UD undeclared in engineering, um, was studying calculus with a friend uh, freshman year, and, and he said, you know, you should, um, you should declare chemical engineering. That's the hardest. And I said, all right. So, so, <laughs> so I became a chemical engineering major, figuring, you know, if I couldn't make it, it would be easier to, to drop down than to move up. Okay. Um, and, uh, and it worked out. Okay. So did you, what were your, th- what were your thoughts on what careers would be, you know, kind of possible for you or like what you kind of wanted to do at that point? What was your early thought on that? Well, you know, I, I getting a, getting a job and a good job was key because again, that's the way I was raised. Studied engineering because engineers got good jobs and, a few years later, I got an MBA because engineers with MBAs got better jobs. Um, and the truth is, I didn't know, didn't know what was out there. I um, was always interested in learning. So if I was learning, I always felt like I was growing. And if I was growing, you know, that was a good thing. I didn't have necessarily, I didn't have a, a career path in mind at all. Although, you know, leadership roles were something that, that always attracted me, you know, whether it's professionally or, or otherwise. But it was pretty nonlinear and something I just kind of learned as I went. Mm-hmm. At what point did you work at what is now Accenture, right? Mm-hmm. So at what point was that? Yeah, so my first job out of UD transferred me to Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, and from there, I went to the University of Pittsburgh and got my MBA and uh, hired on at uh, what at the time was the consulting division of Arthur Anderson and Company and became Anderson Consulting while I was there and then years later uh, became uh, Accenture. Uh, and that was a great learning experience. Uh, you know, you, you get into situations with companies um, and this was really information systems and um, productivity improvement. Uh, when you understand a company's systems, you really start to understand how the business operates. Uh, you get put into roles that you're learning on the job. So in some ways, every day is a stretch. Uh, you're around people in the company uh, who have been at it a lot longer than you have. So again, those have been great, great learning experiences. I loved the, uh, the, the time that I was there and had um, a lot of great exposure. Skills I learned there, I still apply today. Mm-hmm. Like what? Um, things like um, you know, the discipline around project management, you know, really being outcomes and deliverables driven, um, and uh, you know, frankly, sensitivity to timelines and understanding that if we don't get this done by this date, then the next thing we want to do is going to be delayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, building that uh, uh, mindset early on has been really helpful throughout my career. Mm-hmm. And 
So what it, was there something? So I know that you kept like kind of pursuing higher education. You ended up getting your PhD. So was there just something kind of just kind of like luring you back to to keep growing in in your kind of personal knowledge or or what was it that wanted that made you want to keep pursuing education? Well, the the, the big turning point was my family. Okay. Um, so while I was at, uh, while I was at, uh, Arthur Anderson, now Accenture, uh, in Pittsburgh, uh, met my wife and we got married, um, and our daughter was born when, uh, at the time, at least, uh, with the firm, um, you traveled a lot and travel was a, was a step function. You were either in town or you were out of town and I was out of town a lot and remember a lot of conversations when I come home on Friday nights and, you know, my wife, we've been married long. We're sitting at the dinner table. She was a special education teacher uh, in an urban Pittsburgh district. Um, I tell her about my week and she told me about her week mm-hmm. and her sounded a lot more rewarding personally than mine did. Okay. I was learning a lot, but she was making a difference in people's lives every day. And again, then our daughter was born and, you know, me leaving the house on Sunday night or Monday morning was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to be a weekend dad. Uh, so, you know, we started, Tracy and I together, you know, thinking about what was next. Um, and we're visiting my family uh, in Cincinnati and saw an ad in the Cincinnati Enquirer that said, create the future. <laughs> and it was a, uh, a new partnership between the University of Dayton uh, and Sinclair Community College called the Advanced Integrating Manufacturing Center. Um, most of my clients at uh, Accenture were manufacturing clients. It's a work I've been doing. Um, and UD and Sinclair were partnering to uh, help improve manufacturing companies uh, in, uh, in the Dayton region. So I showed the ad to my wife, and she said, you got to do it. So I answered an ad in the paper. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. And, uh, and they hired me uh, as the director of uh, uh, the Advanced Integrated Manufacturing Center, and that was the first time I set foot on a community college campus was uh, my interview uh, for that job. Uh, and that was 1993. Okay. So that was at Sinclair, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So, but you were partnered with, with UD. Mm-hmm. Okay. So was that like, in, was that also a kind of a, a draw to that, like being partnered with this institution that you probably had? hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, um, it ended up being um, um, located at Sinclair and that really was what, launched what would become the next phase of my career. But, uh, but no doubt the UD connection uh, was important. It was a, it was a, a president-to-president uh, partnership. Brother Ray Fitz was president at, at UD when I hired on, and he'd handed me my, me my diploma uh, mm-hmm. nine years earlier at, at UD, so that was, that was a big deal. I'd played football with his brother, so that kind of connection really did... Uh, make a difference, especially initially. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so this is your first time that you're kind of at a community college and seeing, you know, just kind of a different sort of environment, a different sort of student. What was your, like, what did you learn from that experience being at Sinclair? It was an immediate fit. And it's it's hard to describe, but I knew I was 
where I needed to be at, at that point in time. And I think some of it was, um, you know, going back to even my dad's um, experience as a machinist for 30 years, knowing that even then those jobs weren't going to be as plentiful. I mean, Dayton was a big GM town. One of the reasons that the AIM Center was put in place uh, was because manufacturers were struggling. And, you know, really recognizing, I think knowing knowing the gifts that I had of uh, uh, of stability and, and those kinds of things. Again, both my mother and father worked at the same place for, for 30 years. And recognizing that those days were probably ending even then, um, I think was uh, was really even an explicit motivation and the ability to help manufacturing companies uh, compete was really driven by creating more and better jobs mm-hmm. um, and preparing people to uh, succeed in those kinds of environments. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as I learned more about the community college and seeing that happening in, in healthcare and in information technology and in other fields um, was um, just a real fit of not just what I was interested in intellectually and the, the kind of work, because it wasn't dissimilar from what we were doing at Accenture, um, but the purpose for me was was a lot higher, and that, that, that sense of purpose uh, made a big difference. Mm-hmm. So did you have any... So like when your parents, like they were able to essentially retire from those jobs. So did they have like colleagues that weren't able to retire from those jobs or was it more of a, maybe the, the kind of generation after them that was like that those jobs weren't as plentiful? It was, it was really the, the, the generation after that, I think where, you know, and, and it's what people are struggling with now, you know, in terms of the ability for that long-term security. But, you know, one of the things, and I don't have even thought about this until you asked the question, but as my dad retired and his, you know, colleagues he'd worked with for a long time were retiring, it, w- it had gotten fairly common uh, that uh, guys he had worked with for 30 years would retire and, and would pass away within a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't just the financial security, but the, the quality of life and those kinds of things that uh, was um, uh, the, the sense of purpose, I think, that really did, did matter. So you know, the ability to help people get on a path uh, to lead their best life is something that, that I saw early on at community colleges and it really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. And what, so were you working directly with students at Sinclair? Not initially. Well, that actually, we were on on a project by project basis. We were working with employers, but then also with faculty and with uh, 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 department chairs to help bridge the gap between the classroom and the emerging workplace. Ultimately, I became dean of business technologies at Sinclair and had more direct interaction with students. I guess what was kind of the driver? Did you know then like, oh, I am a com- I want to continue on like leading community colleges. Like what was happening that like in your mind that you were like, oh, I could move toward a a leadership role in these overall, you know, the overall direction of these institutions. I've been really lucky to have um great role models and mentors through this process. And, and in those first years in Dayton, I mentioned Brother Ray, but uh, uh, Dave Ponitz was president at Sinclair for 23 years, and, and it was 
part of his brainchild that created the AIM Center. And then Ned Ciferlin was provost at Sinclair, who became president. And Ned was really my direct supervisor. Those, those men are still important in my life. I remember being in a conversation in Ned's office um, saying, uh, uh, don't get me wrong, I love what I'm doing, but I'm a young man, I don't have a career path. And he said, uh, go get your PhD and become a college president. We need young people who, who want to do this work. So I went home that night and told Tracy, I said, Ned told me I needed to go get my PhD. <laughs> we had two young kids at the time, the three-year-old and the one-year-old, had I don't know, a couple nights worth of conversations, and, and she looked at me and she said, you and I both know you're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the sooner you do it, the better, uh, because, you know, these kids are going to need even more. You know, I got this now. These kids mm. are going to need you even more as we move forward. So I started uh, uh, commuting uh, to Columbus to get my Ph.D. at Ohio State, um, and it took... Uh, four and a half years, I think. Uh, we had a third child that was born, you know, during that time and um, was, you know, still working full time. But uh, Tracy was 100 percent supportive. And and that's a common theme. Um, been my shoulder to shoulder partner uh, in every way. So I got my Ph.D. at, at, at OSU while I was still working at, at Sinclair. And then after that, so then you went on to travel a little bit or like to to go to Florida, right? To go out of state. And again, a lot of it still comes back to family. At that point, uh, uh, my folks had uh, had retired and didn't move to Florida, but uh, had a place down there. We're spending more time down there. And Florida has a great community college system. I uh, got hired on at uh, uh, Seminole Community College, uh, north of Orlando, now it's Seminole State College, uh, as chief academic officer there. And then was hired by the University of Central Florida four years after that uh, to head up their regional campuses and their community college partnerships. Uh, I was at UCF for six years before coming here. Okay. So was it, again, family that made you want to come back to Columbus, or was it the opportunity? Well, I mean, family really was was the initial catalyst. So at that point... My dad had been sick for a long time, um, and in 2009, my mom got sick. And as I said before, I'm an only child. Tracy's family is in Pittsburgh, um, and uh, her folks obviously were, were uh, getting older, and she also had a, two young nieces that were in Pittsburgh that she wanted a relationship with. So we kind of looked at each other and said, you know, it's time. So I started calling around and, and called... Uh, one of my former bosses at Sinclair, who had moved on to another institution, um, and uh, said, um, "Hey, I got to get back, you know, to Ohio or close to it. Um, can you keep your eyes open?" And she said, "Well, I think uh, I think Columbus State's president's retiring." Um, so I threw my hat in the ring for that job. It was the only job I applied for because you know I had a really good job in Florida. And, and we had three teenagers, so the move was not... And my wife had a very successful career at uh, Valencia College in Florida. So it was not, it was not a low-stakes mm-hmm. um, move. I mean, I went through the interview process. It was blessed, frankly, that, uh, that the Board of Trustees hired me, and it's been a, a really good fit. Mm-hmm. And so did you know coming in... So obviously you've been kind of... Like, I think the... 
the nature of community colleges really lends itself to obviously you're working with, you're kind of working, having to work hand in hand with industry mm-hmm. and understand the kind of economic swings of the community or like the really, like you're kind of having to understand the broader community. But did you already have kind of a vision that going into the job at Columbus State of what you knew like needed to be accomplished there? Or was it, did you have a time where you were like learning more of the Columbus economy and what you thought? I think it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, I had, I had experiences at that point with, with regard to, to what, uh, what I had seen, uh, be successful in other environments. And a big part of that for me is about partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, uh, I started out my higher ed career as a partnership between a university and a community college. Um, my job at UCF, um, was working with community colleges and helping those students earn, uh, earn bachelor's degrees at UCF. Um, so that background I think was helpful, uh, in coming to Columbus, the, but you can't force those things. Um, what I found was an environment in Columbus where that was a really good fit. Um, and the timing was important to me. You know, I came here in 2010, it was the height of the recession. Um, so the ability to both understand the college's many assets and then understand the needs of the community and mesh those two um, in an intentional way uh, is really what we do every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, community colleges really are the first responders to, to community needs when it comes to um, um, you know, career growth and, and economic opportunity. And uh, the partnerships with employers, the partnerships with high schools, and, you know, in, a, in Columbus, the partnerships with universities. I mean, Columbus is a big college town. That's a huge asset for our region. Uh, so the ability for Columbus State to partner deeply with Ohio State and with, um, you know, other colleges and universities in the region uh, is something that uh, we've made great progress in. And we all feel like we've, we've got much more we can do together. Mm-hmm. In the role at Columbus State, like what have you found to be, like what, what students have you met and interacted with that you found to be inspiring? Well, our, our students really are uh, my heroes in so many ways. And, you know, we'll serve over 45,000 students this year. I make it a point to try to have a personal relationship with some number of, of them every year. Um, and, you know, many of them, um, we're not the first place they've come. So the ability for them to, to overcome a difficult experience in, in higher education, um, maybe with a lack of confidence or, or uh, even student debt and those kinds of things, and the ability for them to persist uh, through that is is remarkable to me. You know, I go back to my own experience where, yeah, I was the first in my family to go to college, but I had incredible support, incredible family support. So many of our students are doing it on their own or are also providing support for their families, uh, either, you know, parents, siblings, uh, ch- their own children. Uh, so the ability for them to balance so many uh, priorities 
is inspiring to me. Education for a lot of our students is, it may be the most important thing, but in many cases, it's not the most urgent thing because they don't get to decide that. Um, their family situation, their work schedules, um, you know, other economic issues that they've got to address. Uh, so the ability for them to overcome that, uh, as I said, is inspiring. And it's why, it's why they're so successful as graduates. It's why they do so well in the workplace or at the universities they transfer to because they've got that resilience, they've got that maturity. You know, their lives in many cases has been nonlinear. Um, and, uh, you know, the ability to recognize that is, is an intrinsic skill that they don't understand until they're in the world and they come back, you know, if they've been to Ohio State or if they've been to um, Otterbein or after they've been uh, working at Honda or or Worthington, with a sense of pride with regard to the experiences they had at Columbus State, really prepared them uh, for this next uh, next phase of their lives. And obviously, okay, so the nature of the community college, like you were saying, is that you know, so, like students are dealing with extremely urgent challenges. Mm-hmm. Like, and some, and sometimes, like the university or the college, like can't necessarily can't solve those things, right? Like you've you've obviously put in. Um, a lot, you know, a lot of like recent efforts and that we talked about before about, you know, opening the mid-Ohio food market. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, other things that you guys are trying to do to help solve some of those life challenges. But what has that kind of meant to you personally when you see, you know, someone who has a lot of promise but can't kind of make all of the things work and, and has, you know, like have to kind of make urgent those choices for their family like what impact has that had on you well um, we've we've made really good progress at the college over really a long period of time in in improving student success and really helping more students earn degrees and certificates we had our largest and most diverse graduating class in the college's history uh, last spring when our enrollments aren't near historic highs. So that that's a real plus, I think. We've done that with the um, kind of the mantra of, of making help unavoidable. Um, and most of the interventions that we've done up until now have been academic interventions, tutoring, orientation, uh, early alert with regard to their classroom performance, uh, deeper engagement in co-curricular activities, those kinds of things, um, and have closed performance gaps for low-income students and students of color dramatically um, through that process. As we looked at the next phase of our student success work, we saw that um, we were still losing too many students who were in good academic standing um, because of financial issues one way or another that as a community we felt like we could address. We're not going to be able to to address them all, but again, what if we took that same uh, value system of making help unavoidable and applied it uh, to non-academic barriers? Uh, so as we uh, looked at our own data, talked to more students, food, housing, transportation, and child care uh, were four big barriers that uh, that we started to try to address. We're in in the early stages of trying to work through that now, but you know Columbus is rich in terms of uh, community agencies that that in some ways are trying to do the same thing that we're doing, which is help you know 
launch people on, on paths of independence and get a good job and launch a good career. Um, so we started to engage the Mid-Ohio Food Bank, the United Way, Community Shelter Board, the YWCA, YMCA, those kinds of groups. And we recognized the fact that you know we're, we're working with a lot of the same families, but we're not doing it together. So how could we start to design our work around the student, the person, the family, as opposed to around our organizations? And the Mid-Ohio market at Columbus State that you mentioned is a, is a really good example of that. And we expect to, to see more uh, over time. Uh, again, trying to um, make it easy for students to get the help they need. The way I described is a lot of our students are a flat tire away from having to, uh, to leave school. And for a lot of our students, once they leave, it's really hard for them to come back. So we're trying to eliminate as many barriers as we can. Mm-hmm. So you've been in this role for... Ten, Almost 10 years. Ten years? Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm in my 10th year. So do you feel like you're still... Like there's still a lot to do for you in this role? Or do you feel like... Like, do you feel like this is, like, you're going to be around a while? I feel like we're just getting started. Okay. Uh, I really do. I think uh, I think Columbus State is more important to the community than it's ever been. And I think that's going to uh, even expand over the next 10 years. You know, it's, it, it's, it's a good moment in time as a community with the turning of the calendar to the next decade to, to really think about it in that way. We're better positioned than we've ever been to really respond to the needs of our students, the needs of the community, the needs of employers uh, in a um, uh, in a purposeful way. But we see the work that 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 you know we see the students that aren't succeeding or that uh, that aren't starting at Columbus State. I mean, we haven't talked about student debt. That's a huge mm-hmm. issue, right? You know, we know that we can be a big part of that solution uh, by having more students start their bachelor's degree at the college. Uh, when you think about the future of work uh, and the disruption uh, that's coming in every industry uh, in our region, the college is really well positioned to help students, employees, employers, and the community make those kinds of transitions. Um, so, uh, again, I really feel like we're we're. Everything we've done so far has prepared us for what's next, um, and uh, we're looking forward to that. I'm trying to think. Is there anything I have not asked that you think is important to say, either about your background or? I've talked a little bit about my family, but you know, it's it really has been a team effort. I mean, my wife um, has been um, my shoulder to shoulder partner and my closest confidant through all of this, and still is. I mean, she gave up her career for us to move uh, to Columbus. Again, she was a very successful professor at Valencia College. Our kids have been, uh, you know, they gave up a lot too. Again, they were teenagers when we moved from Orlando to Columbus. Um, it was uh, a hard move for them, uh, but they uh, have each thrived uh, as a result of that. And I couldn't be more proud of the people that, that they've become. You know that um, it, you know, I mean, it, it gives you a sense of responsibility to to make sure that you're delivering the goods every day. Because a lot of people, you know, the closest people in my life 
um, have sacrificed a lot uh, to to get us here. So mm-hmm. uh, don't ever want to uh, take that for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm uh, very, very blessed in so many ways. What do your kids do now? So they're like early, mid late 20s? Yeah, so Julie is um, our oldest, and she's um, a uh, doctoral student at Georgia Tech uh, studying uh, engineering psychology, um, human factors. Mark uh, just graduated with two master's degrees from the University of Cincinnati. Uh, It's actually his third degree from UC. He's a musician, so he graduated from the College Conservatory of Music, and then uh, earned a Master of Arts um, in Arts Administration and an MBA in a concurrent program. I don't wow. know how. Wow. Uh, but it was crazy. <laughs> um, but that's the kind of kid he is. And then um, our son Sam uh, just graduated from uh, from Ohio State with a degree in public health and is uh, a great young leader as well. Mm. So you guys are just racking up the degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're making up for the lost time with regard to that whole first generation uh, thing. And so, what it like? What is your wife finding, um, like in Columbus, in terms of her? You know what what she's involved in here. She um, right now, mm-hmm. uh, frankly, her focus is taking care of our mothers Mm -hmm. um, because uh, her mother's in Pittsburgh, mine's in Cincinnati. So she spends a lot of time with that. She has uh, been really active uh, in the nonprofit community and has some some specific causes that she's immersed in. She was uh, vice president at uh, Dress for Success until a couple of years ago when um, really because of the needs of our mothers, mm-hmm. um, she, she took a, took a step back, but, um, uh, she's, um, very active, um, in, um, in the causes that matter to her. And mm-hmm. I'm really proud of her for it. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks I for doing this. Appreciate it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.